0: Welcome to the Fearless Mom Podcast, where our goal is to give practical tips and tools to help moms actually enjoy parenting. Whether you're watching or listening by yourself or you're with a group, we're just so glad that you've joined us. And remember, we never wanna add to your already long to-do list. We just wanna help you be intentional with what you're already doing. Guys, we are so excited to have a special guest with us on the Fearless Mom podcast today. Sissy Goff from Daystar Counseling and Raising Boys and Girls is here to share with us her insight from her experience and her training on, well, all things counseling, all things anxiety, all sorts of things, and depression. I know you've talked about that as well. Um, And so, you know what, let's start, Sissy. Um, First, I wanna say thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for being a resource for our moms and thank you for your time um, today. And then also, I wanna thank you in advance For being part of the fearless mom conference we are so excited
1: i'm so excited we're gonna have a blast i'm so honored you to ask me to do that and to be on here today i'm excited about both things
0: well i'm so grateful um you know we are always looking for practical resources, resources that stand the test of time and that stand the filter of scripture. And everything that we've seen from you guys, we, we're we just hanging on to. And um, I use you as one of our resources when I'm studying. And so I love to hear um, your take on things, your perspective, and again, your experience and expertise. So let's go ahead and dive in because I've got some questions for you. And so why don't you set us up by telling a little bit about yourself and what you do?
1: Yes, so I'm Sissy, as you said, and I have been counseling primarily girls and families for almost 30 years now at Daystar Counseling, and I know your folks are familiar with David too, and so David and I have worked together together. Since I think he, I came on staff in 93 and he did in 97. So we jokingly call ourselves the Donnie and Maria Parenting, but you know, parents are so young now, they don't know who Donnie and Maria are anymore. Oh my God, that I will now refer to you as the Donnie and Maria <laughs> of Parenting. Stop it, that is that. excellent. <laughs> it's, we're trying to think of who's more relevant though, Ross and um, I can't even think of her name, his uh, sister. Uh, Ross Monica. Monica, yes, uh, Ross Monica. and Monica. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, but yes, yeah, so I have been so grateful to get to do that at our little yellow house called Daystar for this long and it just is a gift every day although it is a it's a more um gripping gift that's kind of a funny word but it's just right. harder right now to right. walk alongside right. kids and families. But yes, I do that. And then out of that work, I've gotten to write some and travel and speak in the days when we travel and speak, which I think you're <laughs> right. one of our first places to come back. I know. I know, but you'll be here this month. I can't believe I know. I'm so excited. So yes, that is um, th- the main part of what I do. And then I have a little dog that works with me every day, which is so fun to get to take your dog to work. And I'm a new, well, two years, but it seems like I'm kind of a new aunt of a little guy named Henry, which is probably my favorite job right now.
0: Henry is a doll. I did Thank tell Sissy before we started recording this that if I saw Henry, I feel like I know him on <laughs> Instagram, and I would definitely say, Henry, stranger danger. But, uh, <laughs> he is adorable, and Lucy Thank too, you. your dog. But you guys Thank are very you. intentional with your dogs at Daystar. Yes.
1: yes, We have five dogs on staff and 13 counselors. And I mean, you know, so many kids who go to counseling for the first time feel really nervous. A lot of adults. Feel really furious, and so right, it's a little resistant. I know, so it's why our office is honestly it's about as cute as you can get for a counseling office. If you were to walk inside, everything looks like a living room, and so and and you would just as likely see a dog walking through the lobby as you would a person. And and for kids, it's just a disarming approach to even starting the process. My dog is a little Habanese, and she waves, and so so many kids. I'll, I mean, you can see on their little faces sitting across from me in my office nervous they are and Lucy will hop up on the couch beside them and start waving and they just melt so it's really one of my best tricks as a therapist. Do you
0: think that that is why they use dogs in nursing homes, hospitals? It's disarming
1: for everyone. Yes absolutely and we recommend all the time for families to get dogs. I had we had a little drive-through book signing yesterday for my next book and a family came through with the cutest golden retriever puppy. And they said, we got this dog because of you. That is one of the biggest compliments I could get in my 30 years of work with kids. Cause I just totally agree. Yes. I feel like, you know, again, probably especially with girls, but they all hit places where other kids are mean to them and they're going to struggle. And so to have somebody to walk in the front door and they think you're the greatest thing that's ever existed. And over the years, I can't even count the amount of kids that have literally said to me, the person <laughs> I talk to the most about my trouble or my problems is my dog.
0: Yes, so they love unconditionally. And, and yes, kids, and, and kids feel, that. adults, everyone feels that. Right. Yes, I, I and maybe cats do that. I don't know. Maybe so. Uh, I'm <laughs> going to go ahead and say it's not the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> you can say that. I won't. <laughs> I can say it. No, I can say it. My husband... Uh, says it from the stage regularly, but we definitely had a cat for sure. I, I do believe cats do the same thing. I think yes. I've seen moms. Um, I have a, uh, there's a church, a family in our church and they got a um, a bearded dragon for their son. Wow. Literally, she would say as a therapy pet for him. Wow. And so it may not be a dog. It, it may be something else, but we yes. also highly, highly encourage um, the pet in the home. It, it does... In addition to the responsibility that the kids can get just that relationship and the disarming um, relationship that they have yeah we, we're we're b- big believers in that as well and so parents don't always um Uh, Jump into that step immediately. Yes, Uh, but I I do think eventually. And um, look, you can't go wrong. Can't go wrong with a pet. We we agree. You mentioned briefly that you um, just came out with a new book, Brave. Before I jump in, why don't you tell us about that and how we can get our hands on it?
1: Yes. So I, it's kind of a long story how it even came to be. But you know, we wrote a book called Are My Kids on Track, David and our boss melissa Trevathan, the three of us did and
0: i'm gonna and- jump in and say if you do not have that book yet get your hands on it my children are 26 26 24 23 i love that book i use it as a mm-hmm. resource are my kids on track it's great for any stage of parenting if you are it's so good i believe for a single adult it 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 helps you better understand yourself anyway you keep going on brave
1: Well, that's so kind. Thank you for saying that. So in that book, and I think I I need to look at the numbers, but I think we wrote that book probably now four years ago. And, and I wrote a little section on anxiety and girls and said at the time, the statistics are one in eight kids, girls are twice as likely. So When I wrote that, our editor came to me and said, hey, I know you wrote this. I'm wondering if you'd ever write a book for girls based on anxiety. And I talked about then that the statistics were that that the average age of start was eight and it was dropping to six for anxiety. And so he said, will you write one for elementary school age girls? And you know, me as a therapist, I said, I would love to do that as long as I can write one for the parents too because they need some help also. Thank you. That is so
0: true and so accurate. We want to empower our girls. We want to equip our girls. And I think that if we we best set our kids up when we, yes, give the kids tools, but give the moms and dads yes. tools.
1: Yes, absolutely. Oh, I love that. Yes. So that was Braver, Stronger, Smarter, which is which is the elementary girls book and Raising Worry Free Girls. And those came out a year ago, August and December. And then, you know, fast forward, we hit the pandemic and we can talk about how it impacted kids. But, but increasingly during that time, probably in about April was when I thought I am so worried about adolescents. Yeah. I mean, just on zoom, watching their faces and the degree of anxiety they were feeling rippling over into depression. And, and in 20, 19. So before we hit the pandemic, in just that short period of time, the statistics had moved from one in eight to one in four kids. Wow. Again, girls, still twice as likely. And then as I was doing this research for this book that I wrote in April, brave. now it's one in three.
0: Wow. So it's just
1: an epidemic in our country. And so really that book was a reaction to I cannot believe how much they're struggling right now. And I want to do whatever I can to get some material out in their hands because kind of the joke, but it's, it's really true. And writing all those books was that they were meant to work people like me out of a job, you know, with anxiety, there's such practical things you can do at home that can change the course of things. And you don't have to have people like me. So I really, each of those books are kind of like the first three months of therapy in my office, what I would do with folks. So Yes, I'm glad to now have something to put in the hands of teenage girls.
0: I love it so much. And you brought up the pandemic. Um, And I was talking to a friend, a mom friend. She has elementary and actually, she has elementary, middle and high schools. She has one of each. And she she felt like her assessment, her read on it, um, and she knows a lot of family. She's in ministry as well. She said, I think when it first started, when the pandemic first began, there were actually some really good things for teenagers yes. that forced quit that settling down and settling back Absolutely. into family and um reconnecting to family you know we, we were hearing that over and over again but then she said as time went on she believes that yes while it was good for so many in the beginning she believes it's really hit those adolescents hard. Typically, and, and not typically, but uh, even more so, middle schoolers or early high school where they don't drive yet. Yes, that's so, so true. About your read, what have you seen um, the impact on? Because you you guys hit the pediatric population, so you right. would do um, you know elementary. I don't know if you even uh, is it six your youngest or do you? We, we have three? some play therapists.
1: That go a little bit younger, but I usually would five or six, and
0: okay. Up. So, but then all the way through um, adolescence, yes. So help us um, understand what you have seen um, in your practice with your clients.
1: Well, I, the, the ones that I was most worried about going into it, who were those elementary age girls that were really leading the statistics on anxiety. It was, I mean, it, what your friend described with that population too, it was so fun to see them on Zoom because these kids who had literally been a week before in my office, so anxious, all of a sudden would hop on with a stuffed animal under one arm and ha- be strangling their pet, trying to pull it onto the screen with the other arm. And and they, I think there was this collective sigh. I Among that age group of kids where they were home and going for walks with their dads and baking with their moms and having this, like you said, this really intentional time as a family, they were playing games together. And I think in our, I think I do absolutely believe part of the anxiety is how fast we've been moving culturally. And so when that plug got pulled, I think there was this relief with that age group and, and like your friend said, I think with adolescents in the beginning, I did have kids who would say things. I mean, I remember one girl specifically who is in group counseling with me. And every week, myself and all the other girls in group will say things like, "Maybe you could drop one activity because she literally has three lessons or practices a day that she goes to, and she's stressed all the time. And you know, she never could do it. And she was the one who said in the beginning of the pandemic, this has really taught me a lot. And I think I want to do one activity a season. It's, it's just been too much. So all of that, I think, was so helpful. And then as time has marched on, like we talked about, it's the teenagers who have been so anxious, and, and now I'm watching that anxiety really kind of flip over into depression, especially the ones, and I don't know, you know, I, I feel like you have people listening all over probably, but I think in Nashville, a lot of our schools are in person, but some aren't still, and those are honestly, you know, wherever, whatever you believe about it, we just have to be aware that those are the kids I think who are more isolated and struggling the most. So if you're in that situation and you have a kid who's not in school, to be really intentional about whatever safety looks for you, looks like for your family, to let them connect with other kids. Even if it's, you know, in a parking lot, a car length away from the other child that they can shout through their window, you know, whatever it is, because that isolation, I mean, as long as I've been a therapist, the thing that we have said, the times that we have said that we're the most worried about teenagers is when they're isolated. Sure. And so just thinking about how can we layer in some more connection for them feels really important and be really aware because teenagers are so much more confusing because with little ones, you really can get a pretty good read on how they're doing emotionally because they're with you and teenagers hole up in their rooms. And so we so often don't know what's going on with them.
0: And I think we move to a stage of that's normal and accepted for a teenager to be isolated. We say it's part of the, part of the process. It's a stage, it's a phase when in reality, I do believe that their, their instinct may be to pull away, but we have an opportunity to remind them that they are still part of the family and that we want to be with them. And, um, I often served, um, Teenagers at my house, I I mentioned this to David. I serve them like I said, if I put out Play Doh, I think they (laughs) would play with it. They, they wanted to be respected in yes. that transition stage, but at the same time, they liked permission to be a child. And mm. so I cut up their apple. I put it in the plates that had the ears in it. I, um, awesome. Miss Richard, 16-year-old boys, Ms. Richard, can you please um, peel my clementine? You know, can you please <laughs> cut up my apple? I literally, we had steak night on Saturdays and I would cut their steak and just serve it all cut. And I think it was just that permission to be a child, and I do mm. believe that was part of the advantage when, at the very beginning, kids were kids at home. Mm. There was no that's pressure so to be more than um, you know who they actually felt like being when they were outside the home. I, I think that that's was a working. great statement. But I, I, I'm curious what you would say. How can a mom tell? What does it look like when it moves into depression? And moms will ask me, when should I get therapy? When should I get, and I'm like, get it now. You you go to the dentist preventative, you go to the pediatrician annually, do a checkup now. I tried to take my kids to the dermatologist before they hit that teenage acne so that they didn't feel like, they were going because they had acne. It was already a part of our life. I love that. Yes. Yes. uh, Can we make counseling and um, therapy counseling groups, whatever, just a part of our lives? So number one, that's what we always say. Just go. If you're asking, go. No harm, no foul. But what is it that we should look for and we could be aware of turning into depression? What does that look like? I think we've all become so comfortable with anxiety, by the way.
1: Right. Yes, I think you're exactly right. And and to your first point, 100%, I remember a mom saying to me, you know, I just told my kids, it was our first appointment, she said, I told my kids that part of our job as your parents is to build your team. And on your team, we have an expert about your body that's your doctor, and we have experts about your mind and your academics that are your teachers, and we're absolutely going to have an expert about your emotional well-being. So we're going to have you go to see a counselor because we, our job is to build a good team around you. And so that's what we're doing. Which that is, is such a great way. What a great way to reframe it. I know, it. beautiful statement. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so I agree with you. I mean, I think preventatively, especially right now, it could be great for everybody. And I would say, you know, always with adolescents, what we have talked about is, you know, if, if we were to pull out, we don't diagnose kids at day start, but if we were to, we would use something called the DSM. And so in that, if I read to you, what depression looks like or bipolar depression, even it describes most teenagers (laughs) on a normal day, you know? And so it is really hard to tell, but what we would say to parents is pre-pandemic. If know they're going to be moody they're going to be sullen they're going to be withdrawn at home that's normal and yes i love your point of but you still want to make them re-engage and be a part of the family but when we get really concerned is if they're pulling away from peers and they're not doing activities and they're withdrawing in those situations now that's harder because they may be withdrawn because of the pandemic and so i think to think about number one to think about the things that they normally love and do they still seem to love those things that can be a big red flag and then I would say just to talk to him even to say kind of what we said you know you're 16 and we didn't think about this ahead of time but we'd love to still build your team are we I mean so many parents I talk to say I just told them I want somebody to have them to talk to besides me that's an adult I trust and so to say hey is this something you'd ever want and then I think so often today, which is a great benefit to where we are culturally, so many kids say that they want counseling before their parents even get there.
0: And so oh, I, I, I do think the, the next generation look, it, it's our daughter who just, um, and she's 26, uh, sociology degree and getting her master's in sociology. And she wow. is such a, um, a big believer in it and she's pushed it for our whole family we've always talked about it but have been to counseling periodically but she was insistent when the pandemic hit and we were trying to do wow. ministry she was like okay guys i'm not going to ask you again you know, leave it to our children and, <laughs> but that next generation i do believe it that we are normalizing yes. um therapy we are normalizing outside help, mental well-being and um i i just i can't say it enough if you're wondering, get get good help. You can find someone in your area. Reach out to us if you're in the Austin area. Reach out to your church and ask them. There are resources out there. Your pediatrician, yes. Yes, your pediatrician. Mm-hmm. And we're we're just big believers in it. If you're wondering, and again, proactively. Um, It is even better, but I do think you can take advantage of transitions Mm. like, like COVID, for instance, just say, Hey, you know what? Mom's going to get some outside help. We, as we make this transition back, we've all been thinking a lot and feeling a lot. And um, these guys, this is what they do. They can help us process the transition I, I think that's another way to couch it maybe that's a great way to couch I'm it. like blame COVID if you need to yes
1: yes. <laughs>
0: Anything <on> matter. <laughs> yes blame blame the move blame new school whatever yeah I love that so much you you mentioned earlier the statistics about girls struggling with anxiety more than boys first of all can you give us a definition of anxiety because I, I think sometimes we overuse um I totally agree. Ordinary, yes. So much that our little ones are picking up on words, perhaps, whether I, re- I remember a mom saying to me, it was actually in front of a, a young child, you know, she just had a panic attack. And, and so mm. later on, the mom asked me and I said, you know what, why don't we just say she was feeling a lot of feelings instead of using that, that label, if we can stay away from those labels are appropriate. Sometimes we want to put names and words to it, but yes. tell me, um, your definition of anxiety.
1: Well, uh, before I do that, just because I love so much that you said that, and I absolutely believe that is a phenomenon that's happening in our culture, and and I wish more parents could hear that because I do think kids are using bigger language than they've ever used, and often to get our attention. Yes. They feel like that we're not gonna listen or their friends aren't gonna listen until they use a diagnosis. And so I have kids who I think memorize the DSM before they even come in and sit with me. And and I I think one of my favorite examples of that in the last year is that I had a girl that I was working with, and I, I think she was one of those kids who was a helper to everyone else. She listened a lot. She had a lot of friends to go through crisis, and she was struggling, and so she started using the word depression, and I didn't want to jump in there with her, and then I think her next tactic was to start to talk about how she needed medication, and I did not feel like she needed medication. I mean, sometimes kids do, but it's right. a last resort in my mind, and so this mom, her Her mom was so wise and she came in and met with us because I said, I want your mom to hear what you're saying because I felt like her mom needed to be aware. And so she started talking about all of this and saying, I have depression and I feel like I need medication. And her mom was sitting on my couch with her arm around her listening, just so much empathy on her face. And she looked at her and she said, honey, I get that you feel so deeply and you have been really sad lately. And I want you to know, I really hear you. And what you're feeling I don't think is depression because depression doesn't lift. And I watched you laugh with your friends last week. And I know that you had fun on spring break with our family. And I hear you and what you feel is important and you don't have to have that word. To describe it. And I talk about that in the Brave book. Like, we don't want something that's a little part of who we are right now to define who we are and who we will be. So which great. is what kids are doing so often with any diagnosis. So... Yes. I think it's so important to be aware of that. And I totally lost the question that you were asking me. I want you to define anxiety because we we overuse the term, I think. And I
0: think we use it a lot in front of children to, in in an effort to help, in an effort to help them name their feeling and in in an effort to equip them, we perhaps jump to um, overstated vocabulary, I guess is what I would say.
1: Yes. I love that you're saying that too. And- you know, statistically, as we're talking about these statistics with kids and anxiety, if as a parent you have anxiety, your kids are seven times more likely. And I, I read 23 books on anxiety before I started writing these I books. I love it. 20. it way too much. Too much. But one of the things that I read talked about how anxious parents even use more catastrophic language. This is horrible. This is the worst thing that's ever happened. Yes. So I think in that, it's easy to use a word like you're having a panic attack or that's anxiety. And again, I think some of that is born out of, like you said earlier when we were talking, you know, our parents weren't probably in counseling. And so I see so many parents who are doing their best to really understand and name what's going on for their kids. But sometimes the kids aren't there yet, even though the parents are. And so I may have had a panic attack and I'm going to tell you that's what it is when it might not be. And so anyway, anxiety, I mean, I would say, you know, from a clinical standpoint, there's fear that is really created by the thing that we're afraid of. It happens when we're in the, pres- when we're in the presence of the thing. Worry, I think, is more pervasive and we can worry about something anticipatory, you know, that, that might happen. But anxiety hangs around a whole lot more that's not very clinical but basically that's the reality and I don't have to be you know it could be that I'm thinking about flying on a plane in six months or it can be that nothing you know there we could talk about the neurochemistry of it but there are kind of two pathways to anxiety one's through the amygdala and one's through the cortex and the amygdala is the fight or flight region of the brain and that's what gets stirred up when you know, if I'm driving a car and I almost have a car accident and then I have a panic attack, my amygdala has reacted to the situation. But I can lay in my bed and hear a weird sound and then all of a sudden be convinced that someone's in my home and about to get me. Because what's happened is I've thought about it. It's not that that little sound triggered my amygdala, but I've been processing it in my cortex and the cortex actually can scare the amygdala. And so, when when we have anxiety from a clinical standpoint, that's happening a lot. But yes, we also use the word anxious as an emotion sometimes. And so I really encourage parents to much more use the word worry because I think it helps give some perspective to kids and that continuum. But in the books, the definition I gave, which is, you know, kind of a a practical, not such a clinical term definition is anxiety is an overestimation of the problem and an underestimation of themselves and so kids so often who are anxious get to that place where they feel like that and you know we could have a long conversation about this but statistically the two most common responses for parents are escape and avoidance absolutely wait i'm gonna go back can you say that one more time The two most common strategies for parents are escape and avoidance. So I love my children. And of course I want to protect them and they get in a situation that's scary and I pull them right out. Yes. But if anxiety is an overestimation of the problem and an underestimation of themselves and I pull them out, I'm saying, you're right. It is too big for you. You can't handle it. You can't do it. And that's the opposite message we want kids to get. And, and, And you need me to protect you right and you need me to protect you
0: and oh that is so significant i i uh, yes we could do an entire session on that <laughs> The, um, how we have to become comfortable with our children being uncomfortable to parent effectively. We've got to get okay with that and, and And take uh, healthy risks. Yes. Healthy to learn, to manage risk. Oh my goodness. We're getting into a series that I'm teaching next fall. And so that's so cool off on that. Yeah. Things that we see as negative, which are not only opportunities, but necessities for our children, things Mm, like stress, things like risk. That we try to protect them from. But um, yeah, I'll distract myself, Sissy. So I'm going to (laughs) stay on topic with this anxiety. And you mentioned that because our parents perhaps grew up or we grew up without um, the, uh, I guess, the awareness of or maybe the frequency of discussion. Let's say that. That's a great way to say it then I think our, pen, our pendulum is swinging. And yes. so we went from not talking about it at all to blaming everything on our feelings and emotions and, and really yes. removing some of the personal responsibility, I think, mm. and the um, separation of the feeling from the behavior, the feeling. Yes. Anything's okay to feel, but how do yes. it matters? Yes. And, so, and, and then the involvement of personality in that. So a mm. mom, as you said, who wants, you know, who leans toward escape or avoidance, Um, so much of that often is, oh my gosh, I must have done something wrong that my Mm. child is feeling this way. I've not equipped her or I've exposed her, particularly if the mom has struggled with anxiety herself. So, and and you said they are more likely, and I would tell you that it's probably like um, freckles and my accent. Freckles, my kids got my freckles. Is it genetic or is it, it, it is definitely genetic, but they got my accent. Is that genetic or was it just the environment? At this point, it doesn't matter. I'm just <laughs> That's so it.
1: true. I, yes. I mean,
0: let me, at this point, my responsibility is to help them with what is right now. Yes. And, and so I think I we can, move. Uh, it's, it's, it's really hard though, for moms to overcome that guilt, um, to move to the
1: next step in getting yes.
0: their children help.
1: Well, but I I mean, even to think about it that way that, you know, I could talk about the research for so long, but one of the other, (laughs) one of the other things I read is that anxiety untreated only gets worse. And so if we're not helping them actively push against it, it's only going to get worse for them. And so I think that that can be motivating to say, you really are, it feels like I think sometimes sometimes. I think we want that sense of understanding because we didn't get it, but that's where we get stuck. And and then it feels like you're pushing them out into these things that in some ways you wish you wouldn't have had to do because our parents were saying, rub dirt on it and get back out there. Right.
0: methylate in a family.
1: Right. Right. But, and so we think that get back out there was where, we they missed it, but really it was get back out there without any tools to help yeah. and without any empathy so much of the time. And so when you're providing empathy and then tools to help, you're giving them gift that's going to last them for the rest of their lives.
0: That is so significant. So perhaps um, reframing then our own experience and maybe the way we've parented for the last you know, ten years, twelve years, eighteen years, whatever it may be, yes. and saying, "Okay, I'm going to Romans eight twenty-eight this, and I'm going mm. to trust that God can use." all things that he will use all things for his glory and my good for his glory and the good of my children. And so no matter what has happened before today, we know that we therapy will help. We know that we can get tools to uh, be stronger tomorrow, be braver tomorrow. And that's what we're going to do no matter what happened before today. His mercies are new every day. And if we continue to live in that guilt, we say guilt is the enemy of forward progress we want our children to live full lives, the lives they were created to live, then acknowledging it and and letting go of the blame. It, mm, it really, yes. at this point, is irrelevant. If your child yes. struggles, you, you want to figure out why, but really, instead of figuring out why, let's figure out how they can be stronger tomorrow.
1: Yes, yes,
0: I love that, yeah. And I know you see moms come in, um, Just at various stages of the anxiety, and what is it that you would tell a mom who's feeling um, guilt? uh, Guilt with, you know, I struggle with anxiety and I must have passed it on to my daughter.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I heard Dean Allender, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he's kind of one of the He's a Christian psychologist Psychologist who's been around for a long time, and he kind of helped shape the model of Daystar. And I saw him speak a couple years ago. And one of the things he said is that our children are one of the only relationships we don't choose for ourselves, which is so um, true if yes. you think about it. And so I think if you are sitting there anxious as a parent and you have an anxious child to remember that God picked you for them. Yes. And he picked them for you in both aspects. And you have what you need. And obviously you're connected to an amazing resource in fearless mom that can help along the way. But I think, you know, every he also said good parents get it right fifty percent of the time. Wow. I know. In that frame
0: get it right fifty percent of the time. Yes. yes. I mean, yes, that is Hallelujah. <laughs> There's no such yes. thing as a perfect parent. We say if no. you have a mom who says she's got it all figured out, don't be friends with her because <laughs> she's a big, that liar, you know. No got it all figured out. Or she's delusional, one or the other. She's a liar
1: and, or a delusional. And to your point, I think what you just said, that friend is so often ourselves. It's our own voice that's communicating those Absolutely. things. And so how do you pray through that and not only give yourself Grace, but accept God's grace for you in that and his new mercies every morning. And that, you know, I think you used so much great scripture before and I sure cling to suffering produces perseverance perseverance character and character hope and that even if not even if the times that you have messed up because you have messed up a million times likely today on the day that you're listening to this podcast before
0: breakfast yes
1: yes before breakfast all of those things God is using in the life of your child to create more character more hope more good in whatever it is and and David may have talked about this when he was with you, but I think collectively as a staff at Daystar, we have more parents in tears in our office right now than we've ever had before because it's just wearying Yeah, and everybody feels like they're messing up. And I think you are getting far more right than you have any idea as a parent.
0: so, so good. We tend to focus on what we've done wrong. But if we truly wrote it out. And um I always say, um, you know, we serve the God who parted the Red Sea. So my prayer Mm -hmm. after I um uh would yell at my children or maybe (laughs) a low parenting moment, um, I would say, Dear God, you parted the Red Sea. Please erase that from his memory.
1: (laughs) Mm, I love
0: that. Yes. Come on, man. I I could, what we what we really try to emphasize though is that um yes, you're gonna make mistakes. But you always stay in the game and you work to get better. Yes, Making mistakes absolutely. is not a, a reason just to, oh, well, it is what it is. This is my personality or I'm just not good at that. You can send you working and that's what you guys, you give incredible, incredible resources and practical tools that moms can hang on to and implement. And, and we absolutely love that. I'm going to talk about one of your um, resources that I believe is incredibly practical, and that is Taming the Technology Monster. The te- it's a very short read, but it is very practical, and we love your approach. You talked about girls and anxiety and worry. Tell me what you believe, or is there, do you see, I don't want to assume, do you see a connection between girls, social media, and anxiety?
1: Absolutely, I do. I mean, I I hear it every single day in my counseling office of the comparison that happens for girls. And, you know, I I don't know how old you are. But when you and I were growing up, we heard about the birthday. I'm
0: 51. Oh, we're the same age. I want you to know that I'm 51. And literally for the last, I don't know, at least four months, I've been I've been saying I was 52.
1: I, I'm it's to- so funny because Julie, I just said, we're the same age and I'm 50. <laughs> so I'm with you. Can't remember how old I am. That's, yeah. That's so yeah. funny. Um, but you know, I think we heard about the birthday parties we weren't invited invited to, and now they're seeing it all over social media. Yeah. They're watching in a little snap bubble that all their friends are together on a snap map and they're not there. I mean, there's so much that creates more anxiety for kids and in light of that, our tendency is to say we're not doing it. Our family's not going to do that, and you know everything in that book about teaching responsible technology use while they live at home with you, because they're going to have access to everything when they don't. And so, in all things parenting, we're letting the rope out gradually. And then pulling it back in when they mess up and they will mess up and they'll especially mess up in the arena of technology at some point. And so, you know, how do you kind of help them learn to be faithful in small things and then the things get bigger and bigger along the way.
0: It's so significant. I believe it was Dr. Meg Meeker. Um, She, uh, I saw her post something like, if your daughter struggles with anxiety, take her off social media, mm. you know, even if it's a season, she, she just believes it fuels it. And I love how we're talking about children. I'm 51. Yes. I'm in, uh, i mean, I, my husband thinks I hung the moon. Um, I have a very secure relationship with my parents and my friends. I feel the same way when I'm looking yes, at media Yes, yes, isn't
1: that true? And so yes, we
0: can flip it and go, oh my gosh, if I'm feeling that way, moms, if we're feeling that way, it's just like I said, when I wanted to get pregnant, it looked like everyone around me was pregnant. And mm. then when I was pregnant, it looked like everyone around me was wearing a belt. You know, it's whatever we (laughs) see. We see what we're looking for, whether we're aware of it or not. And I do do. think that female, I don't know, men probably struggle with it as well. I, I think, you know, as you said, our tendency. Why do you think that is that girls are more likely, that women are more likely?
1: Well, I think we just struggle with comparison so much more in a lot of ways. And not that men aren't struggling with that or relational, but we are so wired that way from our bones that we're just thinking about that more. And I think that's part of it.
0: Well, that taming the technology monster and your approach to gradually let go and to teach your uh, teach our children and our teenagers um, you know, responsibility. You give them a little bit of rope at a time. I, I, we just can't say enough about it. Again, I use that as a resource when I was teaching on technology. Can't say enough about that. Um, it's almost time for us to go, but I, I want to, um, if, if there's a mom out there who has a baby, a baby girl, or maybe she just found out she was having a baby girl and she's thinking, oh my word, I have to bring a girl into this world where now, Um, You know, the statistics are overwhelmingly discouraging when it comes to anxiety. What would you tell that mom?
1: I think with a young girl, probably the two things I would think about instilling in her the most over the years, one is a sense of delight. I think oh, girls who are I, love that. I think girls who are delighted in Term. feel more Term. delightful, and she's going to have a lot of knocks to her confidence over the years, no matter what age we're living in. So just that, like you know, the the movie. If we were doing a parenting conference, I would show the movie, The Help. That yeah. section. I don't know if you when when Ab talks about you as kind, you as smart, it you does. as important. Yeah. But when you watch that scene, even when she walks in the room and the little girl's in her crib, she has this look of delight on her face. And and so having time with them where we're just enjoying them is so important at every stage of their development. And it gets a lot harder through stretches called teenagers, (laughs) but- It's still just as important. So that is one. And then the other is, I would say, a real sense of belief in them. Mm. And I have a friend who I will never forget. She told me, she said, when I was growing up, I wish my mom had said to me, you've got this more than let me get this for you.
0: Oh, you got this. I'm writing this down too, as you say it.
1: Yeah, you got oh, this more than that. let me get this for you. And so commuting, communicating to her, you are delightful and you are capable. Like you really do have this. I believe in you so much. And I love Psalm 144:12 says, may our sons and their youth be like plants full grown. Our daughters like corner pillars cut for the structure of a palace. Um, and, you know, you think about corner pillars and they're beautiful and they're strong um, and they hold up so much. And as a girl still, and as a woman, we are all of you women out there who are listening, you are holding up so much right now. Yeah. And so for her to believe she is delightful and beautiful and so capable, I think props her up to feel like That's right. I am, I can be a pillar. I am. Hey, it. God it. made me to be. I read the other day, um,
0: instead of teaching our girls to wait for um, a knight in shining armor, we should teach them how to wield a sword
1: oh that's good that's awesome i love that so much okay sissy thank you so much
0: i want to end up with the rapid fire okay okay throw some things out just so our listeners can get to know you um, a little bit better okay and then don't let me forget before we close i want you to remind us one more time how we can get our hands on all your resources okay okay Okay, so here we go ready just answer one try not to say both okay And and I don't explain it. I just say the word. Just say the word. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Beach or mountains? Mountains. Rock or country? Country. Yeah, You're from Nashville. Did you really? (laughs) I'm like, did you have an option there? Burgers (laughs) or pizza? Burgers. Early bird or night owl? It's changing. Early bird lately. Me too. Same. Really? I would have said night owl. Yeah, we're the same age and we're both early birds. Okay, saver or spender? I knew we were friends. <laughs> Savor, I think. Book or movie? TV. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> Fast food or fine dining?
1: Fine dining. Wait, do you have a favorite TV show? You know, I... Yes, um made me wonder. I, one show that I've watched recently that I really loved was called Ted Lasso. Okay, I don't know it. It's cute. It's okay. really, I mean, it's got a little inappropriate language mixed in there, but it's Thanks for cute. for the
0: disclaimer. Yes. Uh, we, uh, we're super into, I'm totally distracting myself. We are super into um, English, like British uh, crime shows. I definitely have Ooh. to use the titles, but we've noticed that it's a little bit cleaner. They may have a little bit bad language, but we, we've noticed it is um, cleaner than our American shows. Anyway. That's okay. fine. I distract myself. Yeah. Uh, five minutes early or five minutes late? Five minutes early. Phone call or text? Text. Uh, night out or night in? Night in. Okay, it's JT Justin Timberlake or James Taylor. <laughs>
1: Oh man, because I have a sister in her thirties, probably Justin Timberlake, but my heart would say James Taylor. Oh my gosh, my daughter, when I was reading these to her, she's like,
0: Seriously, mom? <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's an awesome question.
0: <laughs> that is so fun. Well, thank you again. I remind our yeah. listeners one more time how to get their hands on all of your resources.
1: Well, our website is raisingboysandgirls.com. So that is always a place to connect. And then we have a Raising Boys and Girls Instagram account. And And then I am trying to put out as much helpful information on my own Instagram account here lately, especially about anxiety. That's just my name, Sissy Goff.
0: Okay, great. So you can um, find them. You can also find them if you search for them on our Instagram. We follow both Sissy and um, Raising Boys and Girls and Daystar Counseling um, for more resources. And then um, your new book, give us the title one more time. Brave, A Teen Girl's Guide to Beating Worry and Anxiety and then we also uh highly recommend raising um worry-free girls for moms and thank then you. also braver smarter stronger uh, there's Our so many but gross. for me i think are my kids on track and taming the technology monster i love those too and um thank, thank you, you thank you thank you we are just oh, I'm so
1: delighted to get to be with you grateful to be with you and friends. we we would be friends and we are friends now ah.
0: We are already And now we'll be like (laughs) real friends when you come to the conference and we see each other. We'll get to hang out. I'm so excited about it. Me too. Um, And you guys, thanks for listening. And um, we look forward to um, hopefully you guys tuning in to the conference as well. We're so glad you joined us today. You can get more resources and information at fearlessmom.com.